1: It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig.
0: My name's Andrew. Craig, if you think about it, every week we record a new sequel to our <laughs> po- to the podcast that we did the week before. Ooh, it's true. And so the podcast is, is every new episode is a sequel, and that got us thinking about sequels, you know? That's things the that only follow, reason
1: we ever thought about sequels.
0: Things, the things that follow another thing. Yeah. And so this this month's theme, which we kind of stumbled into <laughs> yeah, is returning to places we've been already, but in like a new way, like a sequel to <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, what... that's how I would describe a sequel. It's like, I've been here before, but like not this way.
1: Yeah. You know, you can step in a river, but it's never the same twice sort of thing.
0: Yeah. But it is like the same river,
1: but it is functionally Like the on same a, like river. a,
0: like on a map or yeah. whatever.
1: Unless it's one of those <laughs> fake rivers on a map to trick copycat map makers is that a thing that's a thing it's they're they're usually towns (laughs) but like map maker i think this is also a thing that people are doing in certain types of internet writing that gets copied a lot like guides writing and things like that yeah or like wikipedia
0: articles where you make up like a movie that evangeline lily is in and then it ends up who can say all kinds of official yeah okay
1: uh but it's done on purpose so that if you know if somebody puts it on their map then you know that they copied you it's like a trademark mm-hmm. yes goof
0: sort of thing mm-hmm. um That's surely cool. i there will know be... that about maps yeah
1: there'll be some of those in this episode i'm sure there'll be we're... here's why i think that
0: is we that are... why every week we carefully share one fake thing yeah. about each of the books that we're yes! talking about <laughs> what a good podcast Dude. that would be people do say you know you read this you read this book and you talked about it and i didn't have to read it but i did kind of talk about it briefly at a party for a minute and Mm. you know are we trustworthy we'll know that you didn't do the work because you (laughs) because you got you included our wrong fact in your retelling of the book thing speaking of unreliable
1: narrators this week i read uh i'm kicking off our theme month of sequels uh, sequelitis um, with Harrow the Ninth by Tamsin Muir, the second in the Locked Tomb series of, I guess we'd call them sci. They take place in space in a in a way. Yeah.
0: Yes. The tagline for the book. So the episode that we did Gideon the Night. You have the, the number a hand, to hand? Uh, I was just kind of vamping for a second. <laughs> sure. it was. It's probably it. like... Because it's in the late 400, episode oh. 482. Great. Gideon the Night. <laughs> we talked about this back in July of 2021. Okay. Uh, we talked about the tagline for the book, which basically usually gets boiled down to uh, lesbian necromancers in space. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. which is, yeah, I mean, it's oversimplified probably, but it's basically <laughs> true. Sure, it is. Uh, Tampton Muir, born in 1985, is yeah. from New Zealand. We, went, we're, we won't like delve into her thing again. The, the big thing, the update I wanted to talk about since we did the last episode on her and her book. Sure. And the Lock's Tomb series, is that at the time... Uh, it was marketed like on the covers of the books, I think, or at least like in the mm. in the marketing for the books, marketed as a planned trilogy. Yes, and we made an observation like, okay, the third one hasn't come out yet. That's an awful, that's awful risky to call that <laughs> shot. And since <laughs> since we recorded that episode, uh, there has been a <laughs> there was a an unplanned third book. Called Nona yes. the Ninth, which yes. is I guess is about Italian grandmothers in space. I'm not sure. <laughs> and then the book that was supposed to end the series, Electo the Ninth, is still to be released. Like it has not come out yet. Yes, I was um, reading. So at least a quadrilogy. If if like me, <laughs> you're familiar with the Alien DVD box set, you sure. Or a tetralogy, I guess. If you're if you like Tetris.
1: Yeah, those are the two things. Um, uh, well, yeah, I was reading, I was trying to like catch up on this book and we'll talk about it. I I did read this book. If at any point in time it sounds like <laughs> I didn't, it's only because the book does, it resists being understood. Yeah, and so right. I, I went into various corners of the internet to try and figure out what I had read. And it's fun reading articles that talk about, you know, the third novel in the trilogy, Electro mm-hmm. the Ninth. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then stumbling into Reddit threads that are just spoiling everything in Known in the night, you know. Yeah, but to some be, of that helps you know, me understand this book. So, sure. uh,
0: yeah, like to to be fair, also, oh yeah, uh, you know, Tamsin Muir is far from the first author to, especially in like the sci fi fantasy space, to say that they're going to have one number of books and to end up with a much different number. Of
1: yeah, books. yes, yeah,
0: more just. Um, just
1: kind of just poking fun at, at the whole art, yeah it's just like you know, like, you, know here.
0: Here. You, you took you took a risk to call the shot and then you know your editors discovered that you write really long and that the first part of your third book is too big and they make it its own thing and so like mostly reviewers like the the Vox review of uh, Harrow and of Nona by uh, Constance Grady she has basically the same like top Top line reaction Mm. to both books, which is I am into this, and if (laughs) you are in if you if you like the first one, like you're these will be fine too. (laughs) But but like don't ask me to tell you what (laughs) happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and I did this, I did want to pick this book for our sequel month because it comes up a lot. Harrow the ninth comes up a lot among our readership uh, our, our readership our listenership. listenership a bunch of readers they are mm-hmm. um constantly talking about these books
0: that's uh, what we call our fan base is the this like a big ship full of readers <laughs> a big boat just a big fun boat where everybody's reading all the time i read our readership
1: and so it's just been out there as a like what if we went back you know the first book was published 2019 nominated for the Nebula and Hugo this book is 2020 I get think it gets um another Hugo nom she nom, nom, wins nom. the Ignotus award uh for Nona which is a Spanish literary award um so like the the, the series has steam obviously the first one gets the most attention mm-hmm. um but yeah I was just kind of like okay what what else is going on there? Why is everyone still excited? We had talked briefly about Harrow when we did that episode because some of Muir's
0: memeier references are in this book. Uh-huh. Yeah, we talked extensively about non pizza with left pizza. Did in we the, talk about episode, which uh, go ahead. Did we talk
1: about how it's in the book though? Like did I did you read a quote or anything?
0: No, I don't Okay, think can't we wait talked to tell about you about how it's that. in the book because, because I just you had said I don't know about non people. Oh black sure. Beef. And so I spent quite quite I spent a fair <laughs> amount of podcast time describing it, describing a picture to you. Okay, great. I love it. <laughs> and everybody. And it was good radio.
1: It probably was, and we have <laughs> Mir to thank for that because I would never have encountered, I surely would never have encountered it without these books.
0: Yeah, like I I could tell just listening to myself, like it's funny when I listen to old episodes because I usually find myself thinking a thing that I then say like three yes, seconds later, happens so a it's lot. good to know. It's good as like a as like a mental acuity test. Am, I, like, the same like, like, am I the same person? How much have I changed since two years ago? The answer is not that much. Okay. Um, You gave me like a concentrated blast of the book's like humor and voice in, and taken all in one big Hmm gulp over the course of like an hour it was too much yeah and so i'm curious to know how this is similar and how it's different my understanding is that harrow whose perspective it is kind of mostly from ish is a different voice than gideon it's like less deadpool less irreverent (laughs) Um, but obviously tamsin muir is still the same person andrew I
1: I will tell you about how it's different after the break, but I do mm-hmm. just need to I need to put this on the table. I am worried uh-huh. that one of these days you and I are going to have to watch. We're going to have to watch Deadpool? Deadpool. We
0: both talked about how we only knew. <laughs> we both talked about how we were only kind of aware of Deadpool from like ads and osmosis, and we'd never actually seen it. But we do talk about things like in. on this podcast and in life as like being very deadpool-esque for having never seen deadpool i've seen paul blart mock-up yeah two times more than i've seen any deadpool movie (laughs) that's true yeah Yeah. we
1: have Mm -hmm. oh boy okay well let's take a quick break (laughs) and uh i'll tell you whether or not deadpool's in this book
0: okay This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. You know, this book is going to have some harrowing elements in it, I think. It also takes place in space. It takes place in space. You know, what doesn't have to be harrowing is making a website, though. <laughs> and you can do it in your own home. And you can do it in your own home in the space provided for you by Squarespace. Yeah. Squarespace is a website, in case you haven't figured it out mm. from uh, what we've said so far. Squarespace is a website that helps you make other baby websites.
1: That can grow and flourish. That can grow into all adult, your dreams.
0: Well, I mean, adult website, all kinds of websites yes. that can make you at Squarespace. It can
1: be... You know grown up
0: <laughs> yeah, Websites that
1: go to college and vote And stuff
0: and like have uh, Analytics and, and let you Sell stuff and get the word out about your brand All kinds of stuff yeah. all those things anything you could think Of that a website can do a Squarespace website Can do it yeah you know you know You know what I mean uh, There's some stuff we like about Squarespace other than that It's just a good website that helps you make websites mm-hmm. uh, Splish splosh I was taking A bath in the fluid engine oh, Uh boy. <laughs> Next <laughs> The next generation website design system from Squarespace. It's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best in class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag and drop technology for desktop or mobile. Uh, they have flexible website templates. Get started with one of their professional website templates with designs for every category and use case. Then customize your look, update content, and add features to fit your unique needs. You can make any Squarespace template do what you want so your idea, brand, or business stands out online on every device, every single one. Whoa! Blackberry, Speak & Spell, it, all, it works <laughs> on all of them. <laughs> blogging tools. Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. Categorize, share, and schedule your post to make your content work for you. If any of this sounds good to you and why wouldn't it, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash overdue to save ten percent off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash overdue to save ten percent off your first purchase of a website or domain.
1: All right, Andrew, you listened to a podcast where I talked about Gideon the Ninth. I what did. do you remember? <laughs>
0: So I've been, (laughs) I've read (laughs) Gideon the Ninth about as many times as I've seen the movie Deadpool (laughs) for reference. Yeah. Uh, So, so these people live on like this skeleton bone planet. Yes. uh, Where everybody's was like brought back to life by an emperor like 10,000 years ago or something. 10,000
1: years ago, the God King Emperor, who in this book is, is, aka the Necro Lord Prime, aka the kindly prince, um, mm. A.K.A. revealed in this book his real name is John Gaius. He's just John. <laughs> okay. um, 10,000 years ago, he was the first necromancer and there was some sort of calamity where nine planets died and he r- used magic to resurrect all of them mm-hmm. and create a civilization based around... Thanergic magic, as opposed or energy, as opposed to thalergic energy, which is life energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in they, particular, do, do you think
0: they became thalergic to that kind of magic? Oh, or?
1: I'm surprised that's not a joke <laughs> in this book. Um, and the ninth planet, the ninth house, is uh, Gideon's planet. It's also Harrow's planet, and they have a locked tomb there that contains. Some enemy of the emperor's is what you're told in the first book, mm-hmm. and the ninth house is like a death cult that maybe not only worships the emperor but also worships this tomb.
0: Yeah, so everybody there, I'm given to understand from the cover of this book, dresses like it's, it's Nightmare Before Christmas. Yep, yeah, they're like all skeletons. Day. Yes, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> and there is some calamity where it's so like the emperor has these like lieutenant people called lictors lictors yes lictors there's like a set number of them i think it's like eight like a good sort of video game mini boss sort of amount Mm -hmm. of of (laughs) lictors um and into each generation like a set number of necromancers are born and then some of them get to become lictors but on the ninth planet all of them in this generation died except for harrow and Gideon and maybe, like, one other person. Uh, the, um, I think
1: the the only other person who's close is actually a little bit older. But, yes, Harrow mm, and Gideon okay. are part of the same generation. Mm-hmm. Um, it is revealed and talked about extensively in this book as well from Harrow's perspective that Harrow's parents um, killed a bunch of kids to create a bunch of fanergy, th- death energy, uh That would go into their child becoming a powerful necromancer, uh-huh, um which is why Harrow is so good at bone magic mm-hmm. uh every no one understands why Gideon didn't die, mm-hmm. and so that kind of marks Gideon as like, ooh, what's her deal?
0: Kind of a weirdo outcast yeah. outsider sort yep. of thing, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. which is what drives her to be Deadpool.
1: Yeah, because she's <laughs> kind of kind of she's a little for in my recollection. I I, I like that she has big Naruto energy. She is here. Okay, to you fight talked and, about
0: Naruto a lot in the, <laughs> the
1: good. Last okay, episode. great. Too good. This is going great. So good, far. wonderful. Deadpool Naruto, check, check, check. It's an mm-hmm. overdue show. Um, sequel. it's a sequel. It's a sequel. <laughs> We're not giving you things you don't expect, please. Um, and Gideon, her whole energy and tone. Is like this stuff is wild. Like, uh-huh. I'm here to kind of her voice, her narrative voice is kind of there to poke fun at the seriousness of a whole civilization built on, you know, super serious worship of this god and of skeletons. And, um, but then what Muir does in the first book is run all of that through like a parlor murder mystery house where yes mm-hmm. these heirs are sent to Canaan house where they are going to maybe become a lictor to serve the emperor and they get they start getting murdered uh one by one or two by two depending on which part of the book you're reading and it turns out that a former lictor is killing them uh so that he can uh, she can lure the emperor there and then kill him for reasons mm-hmm. um and so it has this like Big world building setup, but actually is kind of doing like lesbian necromancy Agatha Christie, mm-hmm. um, and uh, this book I I think structurally is interesting. We'll talk about the structure a lot, but from a <laughs> character structure perspective, I find it very impressive that she, uh, kind of uses interpersonal dynamics and a couple of like tight knit groups of people to make. Big galactic stakes feel very personal. Mm-hmm. Um you spend in, in one of the plot lines of this book, you spend a lot of time with some of the remaining lictors, uh, including Harrow and uh Ionthe, who's the, the other new lictor. And oh, I heard him play at the Acropolis. <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow. <laughs> uh and the the two of them kind of get a like mini here's what it is to be a Lictor-like wizard school thing while also there's a big, scary, you know, uh, planet-devouring ghost coming like that we have to Mm -hmm. get ready for, set up. Okay. Um, So, yeah, why why don't you hit me with maybe what you've read about this book, which can help boil my brain down to being useful?
0: (laughs) Well, okay, so two, two things. I'll start with this review, and then I think... Based on the last episode, so sometimes we will talk about a book, and we will try, if we can, not to spoil like the exact way that it ends. Sure, 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 sure. And so I think I believe a lot of this book is driven by something that happens at the end of Gideon that we did not, yeah, talk explicitly Great. about. Sure, I don't okay. think. Um. So yeah, put a put a bookmark in that. I guess. Yeah, please. Um, yeah. But this is from Constance Grady's Vox Review. Um, She says, uh, this book is also plot-wise even shaggier than its predecessor. Hero the Ninth is the second book in a planned trilogy which was still true at the time one assumes <laughs> <laughs> the third volume Electa the Ninth they expected next year. It suffers from a case of middle volume itis. There's a lot of establishment of extremely complex mythology here. A lot of moving, very intricate pieces into place so that they can presumably pay off in volume three. There are plenty of fun set pieces in the midst of all this moving stuff around. Um, Harrow develops a viciously intricate murder plot as only she can. And the Lictor threesome actually ends up exploiting, explicating some deeply moving character dynamics and setting up a plot twist. But it is a lot with capitalized A, capitalized L. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious to hear about the set pieces. I'm curious to hear like how it stands up as its own thing. Mm-hmm. Curious to hear how Harrow carries a book versus how Gideon does. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah. This book. Where does where does does that take you anywhere? <laughs> okay, so
1: the um, this book is confusing on okay. purpose, mm-hmm. and that that also means I think it's confusing in ways that's maybe not on purpose. But <laughs> so you alluded to the end of Gideon the Ninth, and the thing that happens that is revealed over the course of the first book in this in this setup where okay, you're a necromancer from your house, you're an heir to your house. And you have what is called a cavalier, which is your like your bodyguard, and they gotta mm-hmm. stay with you the whole time. It's this interesting sure. symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. Harrow and Gideon, Gideon becomes the cavalier for Harrow. They have a like enemies to friends slash lovers journey together. Mm-hmm. They're not lovers by the end of the book because Harrow is uh, oddly in love with the corpse inside the locked tomb. You know, just like okay. you. do. <laughs> sure, fine, um, but. <laughs> Uh, they do have a thing where they grow close together and do... It's not a romantic love, Muir calls it, necessarily, but they do love each other and have a connection. Okay. Um, the What is revealed is that ca- uh, necromancers have to, like, kill or otherwise consume the soul of their cavaliers if they are going to unlock the power necessary to become a lictor. So, like, okay. you basically... And Ianthi discovers this in in the book. You basically, like, turn that soul into an infinite power source inside yourself, and it kills your cavalier, and they die. Right,
0: you gotta, like, eat your best friend or whatever.
1: Yeah, and so it's it's this interesting metaphor for sacrifice, and um, the book, the first book ends with Gideon um, killing herself so that to force Harrow to do this. Because Harrow mm-hmm. doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And that is what gives Harrow the power to defeat this former lictor, um, Kithrea. And it's cool. It's an interest it's a whole interesting re- dynamic that gets so uh, is it
0: also so you gotta you gotta eat your cavalier to become yeah. a lictor. Do you also is it also like a Highlander situation where you have to kill another Lictor? Or like how does how do, no. s- how do spots open up in the in the lictor? Well, here's why
1: spots are opening up, Andrew, is there are these things called resurrection beasts. This is new as of Harrow the Ninth. Cool. Okay. When the Emperor resurrected the nine planets in their system and and resurrected the star Dominicus. He did so by killing other planets. Okay. Just killing them. And when mm-hmm. planets die, they have a soul just like we have souls. Mm-hmm. And their souls are more powerful and they become an advanced form of a rev of a revenant or like a ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh and that is a, what has been dubbed the resurrection beasts. And they are mm-hmm they're hungry they hate the emperor for they don't they're not like sentient necessarily but they they basically are a monster that is pursuing the emperor and lictors across time and space okay they are all moving towards him at all times <laughs> and some of the lictors have died uh take fighting them distracting them the only way to quote-unquote kill a resurrection beast is to take it into the timey-wimey river of death Uh and you take it to the bottom level and like throw it in a mouth and it goes somewhere that nobody knows
0: does that so does that recoil on other things in some way or is it not important um, like if you, it's, it's, if you, a, it's the final set okay.
1: piece is that there's a mouth at the bottom of the river and who might fall in it or who does it. Yeah. Okay. I uh, just I
0: just didn't know if like you resurrect somebody and it makes a monster. Do you if you kill the monster, like does it have some other knock-on effect? Uh, like an old oh, lady who swallowed explored, a fly actually. thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know I don't know
1: <laughs> what the what the knock on effect of killing a resurrection beast is other than theoretically protecting the system. Uh-huh. Um, and the other thing is that like the the emperor's magic is such that Uh, If something were to happen to him, it is supposed that the all of the necromancy keeping this civilization alive would die with him. Mm -hmm. Okay, so his lictors are there to kind of protect him, thus protecting civilization as they know it. And that is what. The two new lictors, Harrow and Eonti, are, are here. It is explained to them. They did not know this <laughs> when they were uh-huh. signing up for it. Nobody's talking mm-hmm. about these resurrection beasts. They probably should be.
0: <laughs> I mean, sometimes you don't have something invented for the first book and you have to invent it for the second book. A little bit, maybe. And then you have to figure out why people didn't know about it before.
1: Yep. Um, but so that is the kind of galactic like info dump that is happening in this book that in addition to that is, is, like, I alluded to this thing called the river, which mm-hmm. is this whole, like, afterlife zone that is really nonspecific about what it is on purpose. It's kind of like, what if you could jack into the Matrix, but you were jacking into the afterlife? Okay. Um, And there are theories that there's a, actually another afterlife after it, and this is just where all the ghosts hang out, hoping to get resurrected. hmm you can make pocket dimensions here. Mm-hmm. Harrow figures that out about a third of the way through the book, and then mm-hmm. it might play into some later revelations in in the when when the book is called Shaggy. I have to agree because okay. I was leafing through my little notes in the Kindle app, mm-hmm. and uh, the first time where I went, okay, here's the plot, was literally twenty five percent. <laughs>
0: In a book, <laughs> and I don't what think are you that... just like recapping it for yourself. I was just reading like... through to
1: be like, When did I make notes? What did they mean? Okay, sure. Okay, and I i had a response when Harrow they're, they're explaining how they're gonna kill these resurrection beasts, Andrew. Uh huh. And it's the there are three le- lictors that were already lictors, there's um, this lady mercy morn there's this guy ortis and there's this guy augustine they've been with the emperor for thousands of years Mm -hmm. and they've got the two new lictors and the plan is what you do is you kind of leave your body and you send your spirit would love to (laughs) (laughs) you send your spirit into the river Mm -hmm. uh And you fight the resurrection beast there, and then you send it into the Hellmouth or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. While you're out of your body, the soul that you ate of your cavalier comes in and, like, defends you or controls your body while you're away. Mm -hmm. Okay. The problem with Harrow is that something is wrong with that whole relationship, and she doesn't understand. Okay. Why? But it's it. it's just like she's not a full lictor for some reason. Here's the other thing. OK, so, the, OK, <sighs> man, there's <laughs> there's Keep, w- the done. one plot line, which is <laughs> we got to fight these resurrection beasts. That's the present tense plot line. Every chapter has a little like timestamp that is like X number of months until the assassination of the emperor. So you're mm-hmm. also like, who's going to assassinate the emperor? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Those are all told in the second person. Someone, uh, someone is narrating them. It's Harrow's perspective. It's all about Harrow. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But you're getting the second-person narration. Like, you did this. You walked here. You
0: were thinking this. Mm -hmm. Like it's a choose-your-own-adventure book. Yes, exactly. But but they forgot to put choices in it. Correct, yes. It's like reading the first 10 pages of some (laughs) choose-your-own-adventure books.
1: Or the last 10 pages of a branch that you thought was going to be more interesting. Yeah, right. Um, And then there's a a parallel track that is Harrow recounting the events of Gideon the Ninth but Gideon is not there. Gideon mm-hmm. is not her cavalier. This guy, or, this other guy named Ortis, is a Ortis. different guy. There's now two Ortises in the book. And two Ortises. Mm. An Ortis from the ninth house is this like older, guy, older cavalier. He's really obsessed with this poem about the ninth house's best, war- best warrior of legend named mm-hmm. uh, Matthias Nonus. Uh, it it is clear uh, in her notes that Tamsin did name him after the the mouse from Redwall, um, Matthias.
0: Okay, cool. <laughs> <You know. laughs> um,
1: and he's not a very good cavalier, but he's all that Harrow has. And you get kind of this like remix version of the first novel from Harrow's perspective, but the events aren't quite the same, and different mm-hmm. people are getting killed. And whenever she, like, kind of is confused about what's going on, the chapter ends. And so you don't really get an answer to what's happening there. And she's being, like, hunted by this monster called the Sleeper that's, like, a person in a hazmat suit that keeps shooting people. And you're like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Hera doesn't know what's going on. She also believes herself to be, you know, insane and has uh, the movie Memento style, like, left herself letters that... Are like in the event of this, or if you meet this person, open this letter. Okay. Um, because something happened to her before she became a lictor that like messed with her memory, and, and mm-hmm. this is how
0: she's finding that out. How's how are these notes being delivered to her? Does she just have a big stack of them, or uh,
1: a big stack of them gets delivered by Eanthi who she's not supposed to trust. She didn't like her in the first book, and so she's kind mm-hmm. of confused. One of the letters is like, okay, these are your letters. They're going to teach you stuff about your brain um, from before something happened that you don't understand. Just mm-hmm. trust me on this one. I'm Harrow. I'm writing these letters to you, Harrow. Ianthi um, mm-hmm. is giving them to you. You need to uh, inspect her like mouth to make sure that she's not <laughs> like possessed or been necromanced. So they have to kiss so that she can... like.
0: Inst- that okay that's the that's <laughs> the that's the oldest line in the in the necromancy pickup artist book i'm sorry to say i
1: have to inspect the bones of your jaw real quick to prove yeah, that you are you. Ins-
0: you got the the tongue inspector here too yeah it's to really <laughs> gonna kind of figure out if hey don't worry about it baby i just gotta figure out if you're a necromancer or not yep or uh, you've been just, necromanced
1: it's really silly um
0: Sometimes you got to necromance somebody so you can do regular romance to them.
1: <sighs> Once again, a pun I expected to be in this book.
0: Are you working on
1: Electo the Knife?
0: What no. You know? I mean, I don't think so. All right. Well. I could be. It sounds like maybe I could be. There's unawares. some time left,
1: maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Harrow doesn't really know why she is the way that she is. And the you don't know, the reader, why these chapters that are like, vaguely the plot of Gideon the Ninth are what they are.
0: Yeah, because like you're you're coming back to this book. It's like, oh, Harrow from the book Gideon the Ninth. This is a character I'm excited to spend more time with. And it sounds like there's some kind of a disconnect where you're not really spending time with the same character quite. Well, you are spending
1: time with kind of the Harrow that you know. Um, I will say I did not reread Gideon. Mm-hmm. And I did not have time to re-listen to our episode like you did. So okay. I did go into this read a little fuzzy on what happened in the first book. Uh-huh. Sure. So some of the incongruities probably passed me by like if there were there were probably some earlier notes that are like, Wow, this is not what happened. Mm-hmm. Um it probably took me an extra chapter to of this like second plot line to realize that stuff was
0: wrong that it was I, intentionally not yeah ju- I, just just the christian gray style correct. retelling yes. of <laughs> what happened I, in the first book i okay. think what my
1: brain was doing was like oh this just must be like some other thing i don't remember and then as it mm-hmm. like really became clear that i was just reliving pl- plot points from the first book but they didn't seem familiar enough that's I. That seems like probably the intended effect too, which is like oh, probably, uh,
0: probably a giveaway when the uh, named character from the first book, who was part of all these stories, does not end up showing up in them. Yep, yep, yep,
1: yep, yep, yep. Uh, yep. And that was that was why at first I was like oh, this is something else. And then as I realized that was impossible, uh, Gideon should be here. You go, oh, huh, What's happening here? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the reason I think that this this structure kind of plays for as long as it does. um, Even though I think the plot could maybe pick up a little bit sooner. uh, Is this whole like Harrow is like, I am not sure that I am seeing reality correctly. Like Mm -hmm. Harrow cannot trust her own senses. So in both realities, she is like talking to Yanthi to be like, Hey, I, uh, can you just like look at this note that I am reading to make sure that the words are what I think what I think they are? Sure. And she asks the same thing of Ortis in the Canaan House plot line, uh, which is like, "Hey, I need you to cover up the fact that I am like functionally not sane. Yeah, and right. You need to double check what I am talking about and seeing. All of this is also, you know, that body that she that I said she's in love with from the locked tomb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because she did go and sneak into it when she was a kid. And that's a big heresy, which is why her you know her parents uh all took their own lives because she committed this terrible heresy by like a seeing her, her- the body her- in the her heresy. Tomb. heresy. Yeah, that's that's what they said right before they did it. Mm-hmm. And uh so she just sees the body mm-hmm. like it's a it's a it's a motherly but also well, those are not exclusive. It's an attractive <laughs> motherly ghost. Uh <laughs> And by motherly, I mean that it is it is like caring at, for her at times. It is not oh, okay. Matron it's not me.
0: just like a ghost with a mom bod? No, I don't think
1: so. Um, but it is a a ghost that she feels very strongly about, or some sort of hallucination, and, and she's not sure. So you're like, oh, okay. I'm in the head of an unreliable narrator. What what uh, does not happen in the Harrow narrative, or not narrative, narr- narrator style, is any of the kind of like hey I'm just here I'm a brash protagonist in this wacky
0: world of bones which is yeah really she's not's like, energy is. talking like a like uh somebody who posts too much in 2017 which is what the <laughs> the no. vibe of the first one was and and Gideon
1: curses a lot like Gideon is like here to be you know I'm not gonna repeat what Gideon says but is it's just very like purposefully brash and it is there to as I said before, kind of balance out the extremity of this like bone necromancy culture um, so that you can kind of have fun with how serious it is. And Mm -hmm. Harrow lives in that and Harrow lives in trauma and she knows she's going to have to do this like resurrection beast battle. But in the first set piece where they go into the river, which is really well done. There's like a, there's a fun like timer to the spells that they've cast. So you like have, it feels kind of billbergian in like the setup of like mm-hmm. the, the way a good action scene functions where you know what they have to do you know what the obstacles are and like there's mounting tension but you know they're going to get out of it like that kind of okay. thing sure uh and harrow is like man i'm not a real lictor blah, 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 blah. and you're like okay now i know what the the main issue is for this book the other issue is that one of the Lictors, Ortis, is trying to kill her for reasons that are never explained to mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. That's where you get some fun bone magic popping off, fun Lictor
0: well, bone got, magic. I'll bring back the bone magic, yeah. You know, That's she why can, we're all like, here.
1: She can like pull a chip out of her tooth and then animate it into a skeleton and then take a rib out of that skeleton and turn it into 20 skeletons that form a, like, a
0: bone armor over her. Yeah, bone armor. It's pretty cool. But how much protection is that, really? Because, like, bones are famously, they can be broken. So, actually, since
1: she became a lictor, she has uh, switched to generally making constructs out of regenerative bone ash... Okay. So that they are stronger. Like she, oh, okay, it's kind of neat. And I, I saw the quote uh, from it's good one that of the, she's
0: just moved up the tech tree as yeah, she's as yes. she's gotten her lictor power.
1: And she, um, she, th- there's a quote from Murin in one of the Constance Grady interviews. I think on Vox that I may have referenced in the last episode where she talks about it being a scholarship based magic system where like mm-hmm. all of these necromancers are studying theorems for how things work. What's yeah, we ab-
0: talked about that being part of the first book because Gideon is not really, yes. like, doesn't, doesn't have book yes. smarts and so does not really have direct access to this this world of necromancy. This book, the, all of the characters are very familiar with the
1: theorems and things, but everyone at, like except for Harrow and Neonthe have been here for thousands of years and... Mm-hmm. By becoming lictors, the two of them also now just have like a new source of power. So it does feel a little bit more like a superpower than a a book learned spell thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but it it doesn't overstay that. I don't think it become it. It doesn't make things too easy or anything like that. It's just like wow, she can just do whatever bone stuff she wants. It's free fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, I think to talk about why people like this book or have feelings about this book at all after their experience of reading it we should start spoiling the conceits of the book okay now okay i just want to flag that because like i i I think this book is probably a very interesting reread if you know this information and maybe you figured this information out pretty early in your read but i don't Mm want to just like talk if, if someone sounds interest seems interested i don't want to like take this away from them
0: okay i'm glad we took i'm glad we took a beat to do that i also want to ask if you have plans for when we're talking about the non-pizza with left beef thing because Great. i guess there was okay. there was follow-up that you sure to get to yes there. um
1: you know let's let's let me do that first now then okay actually right. just give um, people time
0: to to figure out how to Get their headphones off or whatever. If they well, and, and I don't to want to deprive
1: them of this. That's a, that's a good point. I don't want to deprive them of this if uh, if they they don't need to have read the book. Uh, For people understand. at
0: home who are not familiar with the ancient meme that is none pizza with left beef, somebody <laughs> went on a pizza deli- like a, a primordial pizza online pizza delivery website where you could select the things that you wanted on the pizza, and one of the selections was none. And so, this person ordered a pizza just to see how it's like that, that green MM writer thing, just to see if the pizza people were paying attention. Yeah, exactly. Directions, yes. Where they took everything off the pizza, including sauce, including cheese, and just put wanted beef on like the left half of it. Yep. And what they got in a box was just like a baked circle of bread with like loose meatballs rolling around on it. None and pizza it's, with not a, it's, it's not an appetizing picture, but it is what that that person ordered. So here
1: in my notes, I have a section called What Are We Doing Here? A section <laughs> on the humor slash tone of Harrow the Ninth. <laughs> i I'm going to build to the nun, nun pizza with left beef thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a section where our god emperor John is talking to the other lictors, and he's explaining how the river works to Harrow and Deontay. Okay. And he's talking about how it's like a well. You descend into a well, and Mercy Morn is like, well, it's a river. There's a there's a water metaphor like right there. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you know, I'm trying to like get this phrasing right. Like, help me or not. And she says, I will not help you to make hyperpotamus travel happen. Thank you for the option, my lord. In that case, despite hyperpotamus being a perfectly good word that both catches the ear and does what it says on the tin, let's deviate. So we have like an mm-hmm. early like the emperor trying to make fetch happen. Uh-huh. Sure. Beat. That's how it's written. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, I talked to you about how in the Canaan House sections, Ortis has to read notes to let Harrow know if she's reading the right words, right? hmm yes. Harrow finds a note on a body that has some like curse words in it, so I'll skip over them, but it's like, I'll kill quick because she asked me to, and because that much he honestly deserves, but you two mummified wizards, I will burn and burn and burn until there's no trace of you left in the shadow of my long-lost natal son. okay. <laughs> And Ortis looks at it and says to Harrow, It is a drawing of the letter S. The letter in question is constructed from six short marks stacked vertically, three by three. There are two triangles on the top and bottom, which, along with some diagonal strokes, form a calligraphic S. Is
0: that the cool S? We're it's the, about cool the cool S, S Andrew, that you draw and and on your binder on, with whiteout.
1: Because <laughs> none of these necromancers know what a cool S is. They don't know
0: about the cool S.
1: <laughs> the emperor at one point tells a your mom joke um they're talking about a, uh somebody who had died and they say an absolute bombshell um an absolute bombshell said god he looked deep into augustine's eyes took another slug of wine and then said in graveyard tones though maybe not quite such a bombshell as your mother
0: okay we got a mo- your mom joke good cool
1: there's a pretty pivotal character re- uh there's some characters who you don't know the identity of until the very end of the book, and it's my understanding that maybe we find out more about this character in, in, in Nona. I have no idea. There's a character named Commander Wake who is a, an antagonist from mm-hmm. a terrorist group called the Blood of Eden, which are people who live outside the necromancy universe who want to see the Emperor dead for reasons. Okay. Her name in the society of the Blood of Eden people is Awake Remembrance of These Valiant Dead Koto uh, Kotopai Snap Back to Reality, Oops, There Goes Gravity. Okay. So she has like a three-part name, the first of which is a quote from the, the play Henry V by William Shakespeare. Uh-huh. The second is a, a line from the Maori version of the New Zealand National Anthem. Okay. The third is a quote from Eminem's yeah. Uh, Oscar-winning song, Lose Yourself. Mm-hmm. And when the emperor is poking fun at this woman, he says, oh, is your name Wake Me Up Inside? Which is a reference to Evanescence. Now, yeah. none of these people know who
0: Eminem or Evanescence or is. Or F- evanescence F- it, mm. It's just in mm. here. Is it not like one of those situations where like, the it gets beamed from Earth and it just... It, doesn't ah, hit this little solar system until thousands of years later or something. There
1: may have been a locked tomb wiki entry that talked about like, maybe this is like lost text stuff. I don't know. In maybe. The, in the, in I the just book, feels that's like not how it's presented. It just feels
0: like it, like she wanted to do it. And so she did it and she can, she's allowed because it's her book. Correct. Um, <laughs> the other, the other thing before we get to nun pizza is
1: in the pocket well, I won't say that yet. In the oh Canaan House plot, there are a series of chapters where Harrow is experiencing things like a couple of the characters talk about like having and serving coffee, or there's like a they all get dressed up for a dance. Mm-hmm. These things are not in Gideon the Ninth, uh, and they are references to popular like AU fan fiction tropes. Uh-huh. Which she she has talked about them in interviews, like named them as like, I am, I am checking off a list of fun AU tropes that I like. Okay, okay, cool. Sure. Let's get to the Emperor's sick reference. The Emperor is explaining to Hera why he is not able to actually go fight the resurrection beasts. He needs his lictors to do it, and when they go do the fighting, he locks himself in a room and stays hidden. Mm-hmm. Two reasons. If he gets killed, his death, again, as I said, would probably end their their solar system because the magic would go away. Mm-hmm. The other thing is if he leaves his body to go into the spirit realm, uh, that ends any active magic that he has. And that could also lead to the collapse of civilization.
0: Right. Because he's concentrating on a spell and he can't break his concentration. Basically, yeah.
1: <laughs> So he says, if I fought the resurrection beast, I'd leave my houses to die. If I fought the heralds, and these are like the ghost bugs that get summoned by the resurrection beasts, um, I might well go mad, which would be the same thing. Here you go, Andrew. So I'm shut in here, walled in really, to prevent the nine houses becoming none house with left grief.
0: So That's I'm. Such a long walk. <laughs> That's such a long walk off such a short pier. And I respect it, you know, yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah, because it is a swing. It really is. But in another way, uh, once again listening to you tell me about like about the the voicy, the voiciness and the humor of this book just sounds frustrating to me. Like it's I I would I would be too distracted by it. It is to find it distracting. clever, yeah.
1: Um, I think it's a a Constance Grady interview from from Vox where we referenced it probably in the previous episode where Muir talks about like, "Hey, I I also am making a bunch of Catholic references. I'm also making a bunch of Maria Rilke references, and this is also what's in my brain, and so that's what's coming out. Like, she's not here to." Um, you know filter our our perceived quality of these references
0: yeah sure
1: um and and i think the the au stuff clicked for me as like another reason why folks might find this book fun is also there's a lot of modern readers who are very well versed in fan fiction and reading mm-hmm. you know enjoying fan fiction tropes sure. so that like encountering that inside of the actual series that might be inspiring fan fiction is really fun um mm-hmm. and maybe fun for the author as well so it it is yeah. it is odd t- to encounter from your seat in particular where you're like uh-huh. I'm not steeped in this I didn't even read the book why is the god king emperor talking
0: about done grief non-pizza. or whatever yeah uh uh-huh. it's just, i think what it is is like if th- this stuff all feels like it's from that like from this this modern era of pop culture, where everything is like meta references are in, you know, it's mm, like, sure, and people will say, like, oh, do you remember non pizza with a left beef? Do you remember this thing about Star Wars? Do you like we make dumb references all the all time? time. I'm, not, I'm not saying not to make. I'm not saying the references are, are like bad in and of themselves. Yeah, I yeah. am. I think saying no, but I don't hit like a reference to the Magna Carta or whatever and be like ugh this somebody <laughs> has done this 10 other times and there's not like it's doing nothing other than just being a reference that's made for reference's sake it's not like illuminating anything like even when we make dumb references i think typically we're trying to we lampshade it a little bit you well it it's y- we're it's all in service of saying this thing is like this other thing yeah and, sure. oh, we, that, and, sure. we, and sure. we and we and we say it to make it more understandable, or to like create a for, for people who haven't read the book, especially to oh, like yeah, create yeah, other yeah. other parallels to it.
1: No, this um, is this is doing and something there's there's just like there's just yeah. like a
0: ready player oneness to this that is <laughs> scra- that's scratching me the wrong way. You know, fair
1: enough. I I think um, it can be distracting. I think the world building of this stuff is so compelling, though, that like I'm I can put it away or I put. I d- literally wrote in my app, in all caps, what are we doing here when I got to the left grief line? Because I was uh-huh. just like, this is really audacious. But uh, <laughs> there's enough else going on in her writing that I think it balances it. It doesn't, if this were a 200 page book with the same density of references and silliness, I would probably be turned off. Which is what Ready Player One is basically, yeah. um, and, and this is a this is a probably a book that's a little bit longer than it should be in terms of like propulsive energy, but it there's enough other stuff that I was like, ooh, I want to know more about that. that
0: yeah, is, that's you know, that's fair, and I I again, you know, said you're this getting the, the last episode, the, say like espresso like shot I,
1: version of it. Yeah, you know.
0: yeah, like I, I if spread out over however many hundred pages the book is, probably. You roll your eyes and you move on to the next thing. Yeah, if 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 she's not doing it literally constantly, but she's getting not. them all get, getting them all right in a row, <laughs> like, all right, this feels this feels a little gratuitous. But, I don't what know is, about
1: this. <laughs> what is kind of odd too is that like the because the characters don't get these references, like they just move on. Like the cool S thing isn't in, in a completely like serious scene <laughs> and mm-hmm. no one is joking about the cool S at all. Mm-hmm. And you're in your house going like, did she just do a cool S in this bone book? <laughs> like what's happening? <laughs> that I think that is what maybe helps it work sure. when it works. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. I should I probably do, do the spoiler yeah. section now. Yeah. Right? Do the spoiler section now that we talked about non-pizza and cool S and all okay. that stuff.
1: Um, so the first reveal is after Harrow is like, she's learning to kill planets so that the resurrection beasts don't have planets to feed on as they get stronger as they approach the emperor. She encounters some people, one of whom is from the first book who she thought maybe had died and uh, it's Camilla Hecht and her uh, necromancer was supposed to have died but maybe he's still sort of alive in a pocket dimension somewhere. Harrow learns that you can make pocket dimensions on the banks of the Death River and, uh, if you have energy connected to something that's still alive. And so she goes there and solves a little mystery and learns that. It turns out that all of the Canaan house stuff that is a kind of false version of the first book Mm -hmm. is Harrow has created a fake version of those events and like populated it with the ghosts of people that died there which is why they have, like, real actualized characters that survive and the other people died because Uh those people are still alive and she doesn't really know much about them. Mm -hmm. And so she's got this pocket universe where she's reliving the events of the first book, but she has erased Gideon because she is so... uh, She knows that if she... Like, I... I, This is what I think I understand about the book.
0: Okay, then that's... that's, I think when I did the... um the the dead horny ant book from last yes. week, I also gave what my understanding <laughs> of events was and we just kind of rolled with it. So if, if she fully
1: accepts her history with Gideon, then she completely eats Gideon's soul and then Gideon will cease to be, sort of. Mm-hmm. And she loved Gideon too much to do that to her. So instead, and this is the other reveal, is that Harrow conducted brain surgery on herself To make her forget that Gideon existed, Mm -hmm. and replace her with Ortis in her memory, which is Mm -hmm. what where this pocket universe comes from.
0: Is this why all her like her powers aren't working because she did this this monkeying around in her brain? Yes,
1: and so she doesn't have full access. She has kept honestly, she has kept Gideon's soul too alive inside of her, Mm -hmm. so she doesn't have full access to her lictorship. Okay. Um, also, that other lictor who was named Ortis isn't named Ortis. His name is Gideon, but her brain did a find and replace for Gideon. <laughs> and so I okay. think if you do a reread of this book, there are times where she calls that guy Ortis. And mm-hmm. I think characters are like, what are you talking like? I'm not quite sure that there's like little kind of sixth sense stuff there where you could catch characters being like, what are you talking about?
0: It sounds like these characters have to have to be that way often enough that they just yeah. kind of roll with it. Like, yeah. uh, you know, just occasionally somebody's going to talk about something that I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> um,
1: so that first reveal is pretty interesting and that is also why you get those, like, that fun riff of a series of, like, AU chapters that all end with one of the characters being like, no, that's not how it happened. And then mm-hmm. it, it moves on, which is kind of fun. The second reveal is that when Harrow realizes this. It is because she has been stabbed by a, another lictor in in the whole fighting. There, this book is a roller coaster. after about fifty percent of the way through, like stuff is just <laughs> happening. Un. And her getting stabbed causes her to kind of lose control of what's happened to her. Gideon's soul awakens in her when she goes into the river, and that unlocks her full lictor powers. But then Gideon is in her body. Um, so then, all of the second-person stuff, all of the second-person narration, is basically revealed to have been Gideon inside of Harrow's brain, talking to her about what's going on. It was okay. pretty clever and pretty yeah. fun, mm-hmm. um, and works pretty well. And then you get stuff. Okay, here Gideon is back, Andrew. Um, Gideon fights one of the ghost bugs, and uh, but like survives because Harrow has like you know Wolverine healing powers and Gideon says you didn't have your original thumb and i'd touch your intestines which is usually what fourth date but you were fine she also Gideon also says things like she's mad that Harrow did not get better at fighting or strengthen her body knowing that she would you know need her cavalier to take over her body mm-hmm. um and she says uh, I gave you my end. I gave you my sword. I gave you myself. I did it while knowing I'd do it all again without hesitation because all I ever wanted you to do was eat me, which is coincidentally what your mother said to me last night. That's Gideon. Gideon's here. She's, She's taken over the back <laughs> third of the book. It's really fun. And, and honestly, getting Gideon's voice back for the last stretch of the book when we've been steeped in all of this like extra intense necromancer lore is is mm-hmm. fun it, it does feel... it's like it's
0: it's not like when tom sawyer shows up in the back <laughs> part of huck finn and takes <laughs> that over
1: no 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 okay all right um and then the final reveal of the book is there's is a a whole bunch of kind of like world building background stuff and plot stuff that you never understood getting revealed to you about like why this the corpse of the bad lictor from the first book was walking around the space base, like trying to kill people. And mm-hmm. it's all part of a plot among the lictors to kill the emperor because you know how Harrow didn't do the full lictor thing. Yeah. Um, apparently that's actually a more powerful version of the lictor thing that the emperor has been keeping secret from the other lictors. Hmm. Okay. So they don't and get mad. So <laughs> yeah. And so all of them are mad at him because they killed their best friends or lovers or sisters or whatever the relationship was, because he said that's how it had to be. Mm-hmm. And he's been keeping this from them. Sure. Um,
0: yeah, I'd be mad. Yeah. I uh, reckon.
1: There's also a reveal of who Gideon's mother was, which is all tied up in all of the Blood of Eden stuff um, that Gideon is all experiencing through while being in Harrow's body, which is all re- like all that writing is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um of her like dealing with the fact that she's in another person's body. Uh and then there's a big set piece fight that has to do the resurrection beast just gets like steered away. It does show up, <laughs> but you never see them really fight it. Um it just kind of gets distracted. But the all of the like, what if you got tossed in the hellmouth at the bottom of the river stuff happens between the Emperor and one of the bad lictors at the okay. end. Mm-hmm. Um and it ends with Gideon dying again, sort of, maybe? I mean,
0: she didn't really die the first time. Exactly.
1: Uh, And Harrow, who has been trapped in the spirit realm, not going back to her body, because that would mean killing Gideon again, sort of, uh, and maybe going to be in the locked tomb herself, who knows? Mm -hmm. And someone will be in charge of Harrow's body in the next book. And that's kind of where it leaves you. Okay. Um so yeah, the all of the perspective the the odd structural stuff, the unreliable narrator stuff, the pocket dimension stuff builds a book that is really hard to understand.
0: Yeah, sounds like it.
1: Um, but the characters are really engaging. Harrow is a really neat character because she is so different from Gideon and very serious about what she wants to do, but really has strong feelings about both herself and, um, about the locked tomb body lady and and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you're also getting these like kind of interesting, but shaggy lore dumps about what the emperor (laughs) has been up to, um, Mm -hmm. that to the review you read at the top, like it makes sense that this is a middle book because, You've set up both ba- new backstory information of characters we've already met, mm-hmm. and you've pointed towards like another escalation of the conflict that right. the first book didn't even reference at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I read, Um. is it Joseph Sheehan's review for NPR? Mm-hmm. Uh he liked the, Jason Sheehan reviews, excuse me, Jason. Um he talks about how Gideon was a good surrogate to experience this kind of, you know, super intense world, which I I've kind of borrowed that take from him a little bit, I think. Um but he says that like it has to be different here because Harrow is this like intensely damaged person. Right. And I I think you you can't do a full book of Gideon again after you've built this world like Gideon functions dramatically so well in the first book when she works because it is in, in relief to the bone society sure <laughs> and so now you've said okay i'm going to do a second book using a character we've already introduced who's really into the bone society so i can't just like live in that like whole hog i need to break it up with this like structural stuff mm-hmm. to keep it Kind of keep the reader guessing so that they're not just like oh Harrow is a drag or Harrow is whatever. I th- I yeah. think mm-hmm. the fact that Harrow doesn't know what's going on, you needed to put Harrow in a spot similar to Gideon in the like they are not an initiate, they are only an initiate in what is happening. They're a neo-fight mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Sure. Um. So yeah, you had to have her do brain surgery on herself to to mess up what she understood about the world so that you could mm-hmm. deconstruct your book. Mm-hmm. Um, I I liked it and like it more now that I've finished it. I did find it hard to understand. Yeah, I do still have a lot of respect for how Muir does action, though. I rarely found that difficult to understand. It's pr- mm-hmm. pretty cool stuff, pretty cool bone magic, pretty cool set piece action stuff. Uh, there's a scene, Andrew, this will be the last thing I shout out, Okay. Where um, I mentioned how the one lictor is trying to kill Harrow throughout the book for reasons Uh that she doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. It's because the emperor thinks, well, you either kill her so that she doesn't have to die to the resurrection beast or by trying to kill her, you like teach her how to be a better lictor somehow, and she will like make it through, right? <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> what well, doesn't kill you makes you stronger. She, That's where that comes from. There's
1: this. There's a series of scenes where the lictors all cook each other dinner for some reason as part mm-hmm. of their training together, mm-hmm. and Harrow learns how to make soup, which she's never had to. She's never had to cook food for herself before. She, she makes some soup, and she makes bone marrow soup. Um. What's that like? Well, she serves it to this guy, um, whose title is the Saint of Duty. The Saint of Duty exploded Saint outward duty. As, your cons- as your construct emerged from his abdomen. Your soup was watery and mediocre as soup went. But as a delivery method for gelid explosives, marrow rendered through so much water as to not pass comment. It was perfect. Half a dozen arms shattered him in the soft electric light from the overhead panels. You let out your breath and coalescing scythes destroyed intestines, lungs, heart. Then you fired upward toward the brain. So she put bone juice in the soup and then could use her bone magic to make skeletons come out of him
0: this book <laughs> rules he, but he already has a skeleton why can't you just use the perfectly good skeleton he already has well, in there well cuz he's
1: got magic covering his own skeleton like they, mm, I they're guess. all okay. they're all bone magicians or spirit magicians or flesh magicians you know sure so she had to get We do we'd all like to
0: be bone magicians <laughs> listen
1: <laughs> um so yeah that's hero the ninth had a good time do you think we need did think we needed to spoil it to like really get at what the book is doing
0: yeah yeah it sounds pretty uh <laughs> like you need to take every opportunity to understand what's going on the the book gives you <laughs> yep but i also so.
1: i also think that if you weren't sure if you wanted to be spoiled and you decide to get spoiled but you haven't read it like i think you will still have a fun read because clearly to understand what is happening you might need to do some rereading of what is in this book yeah um, sure so that's Harrow the Ninth. Uh I'm just thinking about what other jokes and memes could be in Electo, Andrew, that maybe you want to sign <laughs> up to to put in there.
0: I don't know. Dat Dat Boy. What I don't <laughs> think not... there's
1: a dat boy in here. I haven't read Nona the Ninth, but it
0: was a bad it was a bad meme that lasted for like two minutes and it was one of the worst, one of the lesser ones. Mm.
1: There's n- Thinking about I don't
0: it. I, I don't think I need to give her an idea I think she's got it covered <laughs> yeah she doesn't need my help That's on this fair. one but if
1: anybody has read Nona and there's a dat boy in there you need to tell us send us an email overdue at gmail.com hit us up on social media at uh overdue pod or you know whatever the variation of it is on blue sky or threads or facebook um our theme song is composed by nick larangis If folks want to know more about the show, Andrew, where do they
0: go? They go to overduepodcast.com, which is the internet website where we have all of our stuff for the month of February, or we will very soon. Yeah. Um, Patreon.com slash overduepod is where you go to financially support the show, join our Discord, uh, get bonus episodes early, including long read bonus episodes. Uh, We are, I think today, we've released an exciting uh entry in the stop homer time series and we also released our read of wait when are we releasing our read of episode or books uh eight it's and nine. It's already up. It's already it's up. It's already up. Just went up. Hot off the presses. So yeah, come come join us. Patreon.com slash overdue pod. Craig for February, what's happening? Did we say this already last we, episode? We
1: may have, but here it is again if Let's we did do it again. Sequelitis, right. the schedule here. Next week, Andrew is going to be reading Network Effect, the first Murderbot Diaries novel by Martha Wells.
0: Like the fifth Murderbot, at least the fifth Murderbot
1: story, yes. Uh, But the first full-length novel. Uh, Percy Jackson and the Titans Curse by Rick Riordan. Riordan did it again. Percy Jackson, (laughs) number three. Uh, Closing out the month Jazz by Toni Morrison. A bit of a slant edition, but part of a trilogy of her work. Uh, that i wanted to talk about and then we're going to do a bonus stream on nancy drew and the mystery at lilac inn so if you want to sit in on that stream again patreon.com
0: slash overdue pod all right everybody thank you so much for listening and until we sequel at you next week please try to be happy
1: The headgum podcast.